With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now, for your host, Dan Mater. Happy, happy, happy Friday, MD Nation! We're back. Better than ever. It's Friday. We have the last preview for Week 9. Today's episode, as always, it's great. It's awesome. Halloween is over. Had a great time. As I had the best yet most laziest costume, which is the way I like to go do about things. And that was as a 49ers fan. And the 49ers won. So it was all good. Although for fantasy purposes, that game was a little bit of a headache. But we're going to get into that in a minute. Because of course, with the second preview show of the week, that means we're going to be doing the Thursday night recap. The late Sunday afternoon games, the Sunday night football game, and the Monday night football game all in today's episode. And of course, we're going to have a mailbag segment for you, the fans at the end of the show. So make sure you're listening to the entire episode. You're not going to want to miss a thing. A lot of great information for you guys and your matchups this week. Of course, make sure you're following me along at MDSFFShow on Twitter for all the player news, update notifications over the weekend. Make sure you are up to date exactly who is going to be playing, who is going to be 100% or not. Maybe some guys you might be able to pick up on the waiver wire as future stashes as well. Of course, you can contact me anytime on Facebook at mdffshow, and make sure you're checking out the website, www.mdffshow.com. You can send me a direct email there if you would like to ask me a fantasy question through that, or you can go to the rankings. They are up, and I am assured that everyone's able to see them now this week. So the week nine rankings are up on the website for you guys. You can go ahead and check that out and make sure you have the expectation for your players set, ready to go, and have an idea of what you're looking at as far as your teams go. Maybe you have to take a home run, a a chance on somebody else, or maybe you just know you have to actually just play it safe to give yourself the best chance to win. Make sure you're going to check that out. And we have a lot to get to in today's show, so we're not going to waste any more time on the intro. We're going to hit the break, come back on the other side, kick it off with the Thursday Night Football Recap. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become the newest member of the Belly Up Sports Network. The Belly Up Sports Network is a rising star in the sports industry. After having emerged onto the scene in just a year, they have accrued a massive following with bold articles, standout podcasts, and great debate amongst followers in the forums. Sign up for their newsletter and get access to all of the information throughout the Belly Up Sports Network. Go to bellyupsports.com today to join. Be bold and stand out. There were a lot of surprises and quite a few disappointments as far as fantasy performances in this matchup in last night's game. But before we get into any of them, we have to start off with the biggest one of all, which was Kenyon Drake on two days worth 
of practice coming to the team just was traded there on Monday only had Tuesday and Wednesday to get ready for an early week Thursday matchup comes in leaves the Miami Dolphins and looks like he was set free for the first time in his career 15 carries for 110 yards and a touchdown with four catches for 52 yards now before we get into what that fantasy value means with him and the Cardinals, let's just reflect upon the fact that this is a guy coming from the Miami Dolphins organization, and not just this coaching regime, by the way, but the last couple of coaching regimes, and could not get the ball 19 times in a game. No matter what he did, no matter what he showed on the field, no matter how much he showed that he was talented, and I've been a big advocate for Kenyon Drake his entire career and the fact that he comes to the Arizona Cardinals on a short week against a stacked 49ers defense who's been one of the top three defenses in rushing uh, rushing stoppage and have to come in and not even know an offense get directed where he needs to line up on the field what the play is going to be by the quarterback the fact he comes and gets 19 touches because he had to because the injuries Jay Simmons and David Johnson and produced on this level against this defense shows you that, one, he is as talented as I've been advocating this entire time. But two, this is even another knock against the Dolphins. Now, like I said, it's not just this past coaching regime that he just left. It's the last few. It's the organization over the past few regime changes that they've had. So I'm not putting all the blame at Brian Flores' feet. But this, one, does go to show you how much these people are trying to lose. Because it's clear, if it wasn't clear to you before, it has to be clear now that Kenyon Drake is by far the most talented thing they had in that backfield back in Miami, and they just refused to give him the ball. But it's also clear that the Dolphins have no idea what they're doing, because Kenyon Drake's not an old player. A lot of these guys they gave away, Mika Fitzpatrick, Kenyon Drake, Laramie Tunsil, these are all guys in their mid-20s. These are all guys that you use to build cornerstones, to build an organization up from the ground, from the ground level have a fundamental core in place, they get rid of them all. Dolphin fans, you are in for a disaster for the next five years. Absolutely. Now, game. Now, whether he would have been activated and actually played, like what happened a couple weeks ago, when he was activated, played a snap, and then that was it, that would have remained to be seen. But he seemed like he was actually genuinely pretty close to actually being activated for this one. So with that in mind, and there being 10 days until the next game, I would have to say that we would need to lean towards David Johnson being activated next week. Now, in the meantime, we know Chase Edmonds is out for two to three weeks. So we know Kenyon Drake will be the handcuff in that meantime and may take some touches, especially the passing game, just to spell David Johnson here and there. If, for whatever reason, Dave Johnson suffers a setback, Kenyon Drake is somebody you're going to be able to plug in again next week. Because he's shown you now, it doesn't matter the matchup. If he's going to get all the touches, you take the chance on him. And I know people are looking at this like, well, we did that with Chase Edmonds a week ago against the Saints. Sometimes it doesn't always work out. But more times than not, when a running back is in a position where you know they're going to have to be the workhorse by default, you know going into the game that they have a great chance of seeing 18 to 20 touches, which is what got laid at Kenyon Drake's feet because of injuries in this one. You take the chance because if running back's going to see that many touches, they're going to have a high floor. And they may even surprise you like Kenyon Drake surprised everyone yesterday. Everyone, And this was against a 49ers defense, which is arguably has been just as solid against the running backs as the Saints defense has so far this season. The only person who's had any success to them is Christian McCaffrey and now Kenyon Drake. So just keep that in mind moving forward. He's definitely a valuable handcuff, but there's a really good chance that David Johnson's back next week. So I know a lot of people today, it seemed like on Twitter or even in the fantasy industry world in general, were saying you got to sell Kenyon Drake high. If you can sell Kenyon Drake maybe to the David Johnson owner, absolutely. I don't know who else outside of the David Johnson owner is going to want Kenyon Drake. So I don't know exactly what you're selling him high for. But if you can sell him to the David Johnson owner for a valuable player down the playoff stretch, then yes, absolutely do so. That should be your first order of business come next Tuesday when we start the new week. So that's number one. The second thing is that outside of that, Really wasn't much fantasy value to go around. Larry Fitzgerald, only four catches, 38 yards. He continues his slump that he's been on. But the big thing here was that Christian Kirk wasn't very involved either. Only five targets, two catches, eight yards after being more heavily involved. And when you look at the game score, if you look at, if you just, if you didn't watch the game last night and just look at the 28 to 25, you would expect the Cardinals would have came into this game throwing the ball more. But that's how effective Kenyon Drake was. Kyler Murray only threw the ball 24 times in this game. And he actually played okay. 
17 and 24, 241 yards, had two touchdowns, tacked on 34 yards rushing. So after having an abysmal game against the Saints last week, they had a better game this week. We'll have to see what happens again, but this is also a continuation of what we've seen over the past month or so now, which is the Arizona Cardinals are not throwing the ball nearly as much, and they don't go up-tempo as often. There was a couple of times in this game where they went up-tempo, but it's not the entire thing. Cliff Kingsbury is trying to hold back. He's trying to get his defense off the field a little bit more. So just keep that in mind when you're looking at Kyler Murray streaming him in as your starting quarterback position. On the 49ers side of the ball, Jimmy G finally had a big fantasy day. Now, not that anybody was starting him, and you shouldn't have. Yes, it's against the Arizona Cardinals. It's the plus matchup there. He looked great throwing the football. This is also the first game where it seemed like Kyle Shanahan didn't go away from the run, but opened up the passing game for him. Let him be aggressive. Called more plays. I mean, they threw the ball 37 times. That's the most they've thrown the ball all season. And he was 28-37, 317 yards, and four touchdowns in that one. He looks a lot better now that he has a number one wide receiver that he can go to on a consistent basis than Emmanuel Sanders, who had a big game yesterday. I mean, he ate up Patrick Peterson. Seven catches, 112 yards, a touchdown. They moved them all around the field. They're going to continue to do that. I've been saying all along, Emmanuel Sanders has wide receiver three with upside potential. This game is not enough in and of itself to make him a wide receiver two, but if he has another performance like this against the Seattle Seahawks next week, where he's heavily involved, maybe gets 80 yards and a touch. If he just gets that, he could be a wide receiver two, a low-end wide receiver two moving forward because we've been looking for a number one wide receiver to emerge because we know the number one wide receiver in Kyle Shanahan's offense does have value because they get volume. And that was it. Sanders and George Kittle got all the volume in this one. Nine targets, eight targets. Sanders, seven, 112, a touchdown. George Kittle, Six catches, 79 yards, and a touch. George Kittle, by the way, dealing with a knee and an ankle issue after the fact, but he was able to play through the entire game. He was obviously in pain while doing so, but with the 10 days until the next game, and being that he was able to finish without any serious injuries, we do believe that he will be okay coming then. Dante Pettis scored in this one, but that was his only target and his only catch of the entire game. It still looks like Debo Samuel is the second wide receiver outside of Emmanuel Sanders. He had seven targets in this one, only four catches, 40 yards. Had a terrible, terrible drop in the end zone in this one. He was wide open. Jimmy G hit him right in the chest, and he just flat out dropped it dropped it in Nelson Aguilar style. I mean, that, that's the only thing I could even equivalent it to how bad that drop was. But outside of Emmanuel Sanders and George Kittle, you're not going to want any of the pass catchers for the 49ers, frankly. Jimmy G, you're not quite in streaming territory yet. We have to see them actually throw the ball more at this type of clip. Now, it might not be 37 times, but if he gets in a situation where they start opening up the offense now they have Emmanuel Sanders and they start throwing the ball at least 30 times a game, Jimmy G will find himself in certain matchups and quarterback streaming territory moving forward. This game isn't enough in and of itself to do that yet, but we will keep our eyes on it. As far as the running back situation goes, Tevin Coleman goes from scoring four touchdowns to only getting 12 carries for 23 yards in this one. Uh, and only tacked on two receptions for 13 yards. We, I don't know if he was banged up a little bit. It was kind of odd to me, especially towards the end of the game, where I think Kyle Shanahan just got cute, where he was trying to play Matt Breida here. Like, Tevin Coleman is made for this offense to wear down the opponents at the end. He didn't go to Tevin Coleman that much in this one. He was going to Matt Breida, who did have a very good game, 15 carries, 78 yards. Most of that came off of two big gash chunks, though. Uh, he only had two catches, 14 yards in the passing game, so he wasn't more involved than Tevin Coleman was. The biggest thing I take away is that when the 49ers tried to go for it at the goal line, they went for it on fourth down. They got the, the touchdown that went to Emmanuel Sanders uh, eventually on fourth and goal. Before that play, though, they were trying to run the ball with Jeff Wilson Jr. at the goal line. That is the first time I had seen them do that since Tevin Coleman has come back. Since Tevin Coleman had been there, he had been the one getting the work in the goal line. So I don't know if Kyle Shanahan just got cute there. I don't know if he just wanted to give Jeff Wilson a touch. I don't know what the case was. That's not something I think that we're going to see moving forward. If you're a Tevin Coleman owner, you definitely don't want to see that because the biggest thing you've been able to sink your teeth into is that not only is he the running back, that is the number one guy most of the time. He actually was out-touched by Breida in this one, but most of the time. But he's the guy that had been since he's returned from injury in the goal line situation. So you want that to continue if you're a Tevin Coleman owner. I do think that will be the case. This might have been in the situation of Shanahan just getting too cute for his own good in this one. 
So that wraps up the recap. So let's go ahead, switch gears, get back to the preview episode because we have so many games to talk about for Sunday. Now, of course, in yesterday's podcast, if you didn't listen to that one, go back and listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, anywhere you want to go. The MD's Phoenix Football Show is widely available to you. Make sure you go back and listen to that episode as we went through the we went through the Thursday night preview, but we also went through all the early Sunday game previews in that one if you missed that episode. So make sure you go back and check that out because in this one, we're kicking things off with the late Sunday afternoon games, starting off with the Detroit Lions and the Oakland Raiders. Actually going to be a lot of fantasy value in this one. First of all, Matthew Stafford is my top quarterback for the week. That's right. My number one quarterback in fantasy football this week is is Matthew Stafford for a couple of reasons. One, we still have no carry on Johnson as long as that is the case. Detroit will become more of a pass first team the rest of the way, helping out Matthew Stafford. He has all the players he needs. Oakland Raiders defense is definitely one that you can take advantage of. So that's the other reason. The third reason as to why he's my number one guy is simply because there's not a lot of options this week. We have a lot of teams on by, a lot of high-scoring teams on by. We got no Patrick Mahomes. Lamar Jackson's playing the Patriots, and we'll talk about that later on. So you don't have nearly the high expectation you would normally have for him either. And Aaron Rodgers doesn't have Devontae Adams yet while I expect him to have a good game. If he doesn't have Devontae Adams back this week, which we don't we don't know as of now, and we'll talk about that game in a little while too, he doesn't get to be the QB1. So... My QB1 this week is Matthew Stafford. He's looked very good. He has a good defense to take advantage of. And Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, Danny Amendola should all have very good games. Even TJ Hawkinson could surprise if you could actually catch the ball in the end zone. So I do like Matthew Stafford a lot this week, obviously. Trey Carson was injured in yesterday's practice. Hamstring issue that came out earlier today. He's not going to practice today. I would say when you get a hamstring issue this late in the week, I would give him maybe like a 1% chance to actually play on Sunday. So this could mean that things go back to the way they should have been a week ago, and the Lions may have no choice but to give T.Y. Johnson, or sorry, Ty Johnson, the majority of the work like they were supposed to a week ago, with J.D. McKissick getting worked in predominantly in the passing game, but mostly as a committee guy on a probably a 60-40 split between the two, like we expected this to be a week ago. Now they're going to have no choice. So the Lions can't get cute or throw somebody you know, out of the whim that we're not expecting. They would have to go to Ty Johnson this week. So keep that in mind. It does sound like Carson's not going to play. So Ty Johnson, what you picked him up to be, what you paid all that fab budget for, that priority you gave up for, you may actually be able to get that value in this week's matchup in a good matchup against the Oakland Raiders. So keep that in mind there too. Kenny Galladay, obviously high-end wide receiver too this week. Nobody on the Raiders can stick with him. Marvin Jones Jr., because of his just inconsistent nature, he's never really going to be more than a wide receiver three with upside. But he is somebody, especially on this kind of a week, where you can definitely play him in your lineups. Danny Amendola, I love him in PPR leagues. Last two weeks in a row, while Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones have been rotating which week it's theirs, the consistent player over the past couple of weeks has been Danny Amendola. So in PPR leagues, because he's not a guy who has the potential necessarily to score, I do believe he could be a solid wide receiver three option for you this week. There's nobody on the Raiders who can stick to slot receiver. He is a safe bet. With the extra volume in the passing game for Detroit right now, they could open things up where these guys can all have value in plus matchups. So that's why I would go with Danny Amendola in PPR leagues for a third wide receiver. TJ Hawkinson is nothing more than a deep streamer at this point. The It's just frustrating, and I've talked about this in the past, his opportunities are there for him to score. He just hasn't executed, hasn't caught the ball when he's needed to. We'll see if that continues to be the case, but in a good matchup here, as desperate as a tight end situation is, I can picture myself streaming TJ Hawkinson in certain situations. So if you're in a desperate tight end situation, I wouldn't rule it out if he is available to you for this matchup. Now on the other side of the ball, the Oakland Raiders, Josh Jacobs, he seemed like he's kind of, he came back to practice this week. He should be good to go. He was able to play last week on no practice, so he should be healthier than what he was a week ago. Expect him to get at least 20 touches in this one. Now, Snack Harrison is back and healthy for Detroit. Is not running up the middle against them. It's not going to be so easy, but Josh Jacobs is a guy who's been getting 20-plus touches every single week for the past month now. Has given him such a high floor. He's been a high-end RB2. He's involved in the passing game. Josh Jacobs is hands-down going to be a good play this week against the Detroit Lions. 
line. So it's not a run defense that scares you, but his involvement in the passing game will always give him a high floor. Question comes with Tyrell Williams. Will Darius Slay play? We still don't know the answer to that question. Slay has not was not able to practice yesterday because he's still coming back from that hamstring issue. We'll see what the report comes out today. This is one you're going to want to watch. Now, normally don't watch the defensive you know, injury report. I will be watching that this weekend because if Slay does not play, Tyrone Williams becomes a high-end wide receiver three with touchdown potential because he's scored in every game he's played. So he could wind up having another game like that again where you can play him as a guy that you can have a good chance to get a touchdown out of, especially if there's going to be no Darius Slay and play him as a wide receiver three. If Slay does play, I would actually shy away from playing Tyrell Williams. I don't believe he's going to have a great game against a Darius Slay shadow in this matchup. And even if it's not just because Darius Slate completely takes him away, I think it would be because the Raiders would just not go to him as much. They would go to Darren Waller more, who I do think Darren Waller is as safe as they come in this matchup. Look, the, toy, the tight ends haven't gone off on Detroit all season long or anything like that, but Darren Waller, we know, is a different type of player. He is a more focal point on this team than most tight ends are for their teams. We know that he is the wide receiver two in effect behind Tyrell Williams and sometimes they can go vice versa as who that even is Uh, he didn't have a great one last week against Houston but he did have a ton of targets I expect him to have a better game this time around against the Detroit Lions here Darren Waller is a fantastic play for you this week Outside of that, there's nothing else to really talk about. Yes, Derek Carr's had two good games in a row. Yes, this is a game in which the Raiders may have to be aggressive to try to keep up scoring-wise. But I still don't know. Derek Carr is Derek Carr. How can you trust him to stream? The second you trust him to stream is the second he's going to put up a 200-yard, two-touchdown, two-interception type of game. Because that's the type of quarterback he is. These past two weeks were the first weeks that he's thrown over 250 yards this season. So even in a matchup where you can say on paper, look, it's not a bad de- it's not a bad matchup against Detroit. They're a middle of the pack defense. They're going to have to score points because Detroit should be able to put up a lot of points in this one. They may have to come back from behind. Derek Carr, you're looking for streaming options because it's a heavy bye week. I just don't know how you can trust Derek Carr to be that guy. I don't see it. Next game we're going to talk about is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Seattle Seahawks in this one. First up for Tampa Bay on the injury report, OJ Howard already going to be ruled out for Sunday. Now, it hasn't done anything for you fantasy-wise anyway, but it is something to take note of because he has been helping them out quite a bit in the blocking and the rushing game. So Peyton Barber, Ronald Jones, while you don't really want to play either one of them any given game, you really want to try to stay away from this game, even if you're in a desperate situation, because one, you know, you have this, you have the split. You don't know which one's going to get the majority of the work any given week. And Seattle's a pretty decent run defense, especially if you're not going to have OJ Howard to help out that offensive line in the run blocking system. This does mean, though, they'll lean even more on the passing game than they do most weeks. Jameis Winston, while he may turn over the ball four times, but who cares? Because he's going to have a high floor, because he's going to throw the ball at least 40 times in this game. And he's going to wind up being able to put up decent fantasy production as a result, if not really good fantasy production. Look, Seattle's not a defense that scares you in the passing game right now. They have been lit up pretty consistently from good passing offenses so far this season. I don't see why that can't continue against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Jameis Winston is a guy that you can play with some confidence this week. Absolutely. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, sky's the limit. Wide receiver ones, both of them this week. Both. So this isn't a matchup that you're scared of the pass catchers, the passing game for Tampa Bay at all. Not even in Seattle. It's not the same defense anymore. Russell Wilson on the other side, my top three quarterback this week, for good reason. It's Tampa Bay. The run defense is very good. Usually puts more emphasis on the passing game. I do think Tampa Bay is going to be able to score this week. Russell Wilson should have a little bit more volume as far as throwing the football, which means Tyler Lockett. I have as a pretty great play, as not that you're not playing him every single week anyway, but DK Metcalf is somebody who I think you can play as a confident wide receiver three with really good upside this week, has going to have a chance to make a big play, going to have a chance to get a touchdown. He should have had two touchdowns last week, dropped the one. So I do think he's going to have another chance to score in this one. DK Metcalf somebody who would be in my lineups this week. Chris Carson, you have to play him. Don't love the matchup, but you have to play him. He's going to be an RB2. There's no one outside of that. There's no sneaky value really in this game for either team. There's nobody who's outside of the mainstream line and thinking of who you're going to pretty much start every week anyway that you could find some extra value for in this one. Not too many injuries to talk about either. That's kind of the other big reason why for that. So in the next game, we have the Cleveland Browns. We have the Denver Broncos. In this game, this game's going to be interesting. 
Joe Flacco's out for the next four to six weeks, five to six weeks, whatever it winds up being. Could be the rest of the season for all we know at this point because, I mean, really, if he's going to be out that long and the Broncos are already two and six, what chance do they even have to make the playoffs? And because Flacco's been so terrible, I don't know what the what the rush would be to bring him back. Even if Brandon Allen can't go when Drew Locke is healthy, they'll go to Drew Locke. I just I think Flacco is done as a Bronco. So given given that, Cleveland's defense is going to be one of the top streamers because you're going against Brandon Allen, who's never played an NFL snap and was not a highly talented rookie coming out either. Uh, Drew Locke was, but he's been injured, so he can't play right now. So we know the Broncos are going to try to run the ball. You can run the ball in Cleveland. Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman, there might even be more volume involved for both of those guys. Philip Lindsay is on the back end of the RB2s. Royce Freeman is still a flex guy, but you can play both of these guys in your lineup this week. Cortland Sutton, obviously I don't love the quarterback. Obviously I don't love that Denzel Ward is back for Cleveland, but he is the only pass catcher in this Broncos offense who's going to get volume. Who else are you going to go to? Deshaun Hamilton? No, they haven't been going to no fan all season long. The only person you can go to on a consistent basis, especially with a young quarterback whose number one read is going to be Cortland Sutton consistently amount of time, is him. So Sutton, to me, he doesn't have a high ceiling in this game. I don't love the matchup of what he's going to have to face. I don't love the fact that he has a rookie quarterback that he's going to have to throw him the football. But he should have a floor in this one. I think he has a comfortable wide receiver three floor that you can still play him in your lineups even in this matchup, in this situation, because the volume should be there. On the Browns side of the ball, Still don't really want to play Baker. It's in Denver. Denver defense has played well, even when their offense hasn't given them much hope in games. They have continued to play hard under Vic Vangio. So I don't necessarily want to play Baker. He's been too turnover prone. He's gotten too many sacks. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. But this is a game where I would play Nick Chubb. I do think Cleveland's going to wear them down. I think their defense is going to get off the field pretty consistently against his offense. I think the Cleveland offense will be able to wear them down. So Nick Chubb's going to be great. You have to keep playing Odell Beckham. You have to. I know it's tough. I know this is another matchup where it's like, oh, he's going to see Chris Harris now. Wonderful. You have to keep playing Odell Beckham. Jarvis Landry, I do think, is a high-end wide receiver three in PPR leagues this week. He's going to have the better matchup. I think Baker's going to have... A little bit of a better game in this one than we've seen him in the past. Definitely better than he had against Patriots a week ago. I do think Jarvis Landry is going to be okay. Just a quick FYI, not that it's really going to matter for you for fantasy purposes this week, but it does sound like while they're continuing the Antonio Callaway as the third starting wide receiver, Rashard Higgins did get a lot more reps in practice this week and may see a lot more practice uh, playing time. Excuse me. So they may be on more of a split there. Just, just the FYI. I know some people like to take chances on Antonio Callaway and DFS. I wouldn't bother this week, but either for fantasy purposes, you're not going to play either one of these guys. Ricky Seals-Jones, I do think, is a sleeper tight end that you can stream in this matchup. He's had bigger games before. I do think this is a matchup which they should go to him a little bit more than they had the past couple of games. So I do think Ricky Seals-Jones can be a deep sleeper tight end option for you in this one. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back on the other side. we got a few more games to get to before the mailbag segment. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is now partnered with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Unwrapped Sports Network has a top-notch sports blog covering all sports all the time with a team of talented writers. You can also visit their podcast page to listen to this show and several others covering multiple sports. Sign up for their newsletter and never miss a thing at UnwrappedSports.com. Again, that's UnwrappedSports.com. Moving along here, we have the Green Bay Packers and the Los Angeles Chargers in one of our 4 o'clock game matchups. And in this game, all eyes are on Devontae Adams. He was able to practice in a limited capacity Wednesday and Thursday. We are still awaiting the report as we're recording this Friday morning for what he's going to be able to do today. Now, if he can go, obviously he becomes a wide receiver one. That goes without question. And I have projected him as if he's going to be able to play this week. Casey Hayward is nothing to be afraid of this year, plain and simple. He's just not. 
And we know that if Rodgers has his boy back, he's going to target him come hell or high water this week. What does a Devontae Adams return mean for everyone else? What it means, especially for the running backs, and I've been talking about this on Twitter all week long with people, be careful of Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams is a popular flex play this week, and for good reason. But look for the running back position as a whole to take a hit, a major hit at that in targets for the team if Devontae Adams is to return. Because Devontae Adams' targets are going to be taken more away from the running backs than the other wide receivers, frankly. Because the other wide receivers haven't been targeted that much. Those targets will stay the same. Jimmy Graham's targets will stay the same. The position that will get hit the most will be the running backs because they've been so involved in the offense, so involved in the passing offense, I should say, because Adams has been absent. So Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, all those extra targets they've been seeing where they've been able to both stay high-end fantasy value plays even though they have been splitting a good amount of the work as of late, yeah, that's going to go away. Now, obviously, it's not going to go totally away, but... It's going to be cut enough in half where that floor that you've been sinking your teeth into over the past few weeks with these two is not necessarily going to be there as high. So Aaron Jones is going to be more of a guy that you need a touchdown out of. Now, this is a good matchup for the Chargers for Aaron Jones, for even Jamal Williams. Even if Devontae Adams plays, because the bye week is what it is, obviously Aaron Jones, you're going to start him as an RB2. That, that goes without saying. I'm just saying his floor might be a little lower. His ceiling might be a little bit lower. But Jamal Williams will be the real question mark. He still would probably need to be a flex play given the lack of options out there going into this week nine. But he's going to be touchdown dependent. That's what it's going to boil down to. So just keep that in mind as you're setting your lineups. Look for whether or not Devontae Adams is definitely going to play. But it does look like he's as close to playing as he has been. And I think there's a decent chance if he's able to plug in at least another limited practice today that he'll be able to go on Sunday. Now, what does that mean for Aaron Rodgers? It means through the roof. Aaron Rodgers could be the QB1 this week if Devontae Adams plays against the Chargers. He's been on fire the past couple of weeks. They have finally started to click on offense. They're protecting him better. They're being more aggressive. They're passing first, which is what you need to do when you have Aaron Rodgers on your team rather than trying to run first, which is what Matt LaFleur was trying to do earlier on the year because he's an idiot. I mean, he's so lucky that defense came to play. He's so lucky he has Aaron Rodgers because right now Matt LaFleur has been incredibly unimpressive to me. Incredibly unimpressive. And for a team that I, I know, they're 7-1. and one, I get it. The record's impressive. He has not been impressive. So don't lose sight of that. I know a lot of fans, they get swept up in these records and they're not looking past, not looking past the numbers in front of their face. They're not looking past just the big, obvious part. They won't look deeper into what's actually going on. That's how you know it's going, if it's sustainable, if it's going to last. Now, right now it will because he's turned this offense over to Aaron Rodgers. That, that much is obvious. So we'll see. That continues. Devontae Adams, though, comes back. A lot of the players go up, but just keep that in mind for the running backs as far as their target share goes because their involvement in the passing game has what's given them the amount of value they've had for the past few weeks. So just keep that in mind. On the Chargers side of the ball, they fired Ken Wisenhunt. That's the big story of the week. What is that going to do for the offense? Well, a couple things. The quarterback coach comes up and he winds up being the offensive coordinator. But all reports are saying that Anthony Lynn is going to be heavily involved in the game planning in the offense from here on out. He might not be the one calling the plays, but he's going to be the one probably setting the game plan. Where before they were leaving it all to Ken Wisenhunt. So what kind of changes can you expect? The biggest change you're going to see right away is that there's going to be way less shotgun than there was with Ken Wisenhunt calling the plays. Way less shotgun, which is going to be good for this team. You're going to see a lot more eye formation, strong eye, weak eye. Fundamental West Coast formations are what you're going to see moving forward. And now with Russell Okung back, the offensive line getting a little bit healthier, and the fact that Anthony Lynn, when he puts his mind to it, is a wizard at getting the running game going, this is great for Melvin Gordon owners. If you were looking for a light at the end of the tunnel to hopefully change things the way they have been leading up to this point, firing of Ken Wisenhunt, Anthony Lynn getting more involved in the offense is what you were waiting for. Now, I already was talking about this all last week between Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler, everyone wanted to jump on the Austin Eckler bandwagon like, oh, he's going to be the guy who gets touches the rest of the way. He's been so much better, blah, blah, blah. And I kept saying, no, Anthony Lynn loves him some Melvin Gordon. That's not going to happen. What happened last week? Melvin Gordon out-touched Austin Eckler. Now, the biggest problem, I think, coming out of that game, they won the game. But the biggest problem was Melvin Gordon, as the lead rusher, only had eight carries. So in a game that was 17-16, 
You only ran the ball a total of 15 times. Gordon only had eight. That's going to change. 100% without a doubt. This offense is going to be based more on running the football and play action off of Phillip Rivers. That's what they're, that's pretty much what you're going to look at moving forward, which is what this offense is built to do. The spread system, I don't know how Ken Winslow keeps getting jobs. First of all, because every time he goes he goes somewhere else, he wastes the talent that's there. He gets fired, and all of a sudden, the offense changes and produces way better after he leaves. So how Ken Wisenhunt still keeps getting jobs, I'll never understand. But with him gone, there is a light at the end of the tunnel for not just Melvin Gordon, but for all Charger players. The guy who does get hurt by this is Austin Eckler. Because if they're going to run less shotgun, it just means he's going to be a little bit less involved. Period. So this does hurt Austin Eckler moving forward. He's still value. He's still a flex play uh, in PPR leagues. He's still definitely the guy you want to have if you're a Melvin Gordon owner. That, that None of that changes. But just his ceiling is going to get simmered a bit with this change at the offensive guard. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, they'll be fine. And anything, this might help Mike Williams. Now, he's had some issues in his own right with drop balls. But this might help him out quite a bit, too, as there won't be so much just you only run deep and that's all you do. Or jump up balls for red zone. And that's all we allow you to do. That's, that's your whole receiver tree. That might change, too, now. So I think this is a good thing overall for everyone involved. So just keep that in mind. But if Melvin Gordon, this is the light at the end of the tunnel that you were waiting for. Obviously, you start Melvin Gordon. Green Bay Packers aren't very good against the run. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, you can start both of those guys this week too. I do believe you can start Mike Williams. Green Bay secondary, I told you last week, I know some people are sold on it. The jury's out for me. I am not sold on this Green Bay secondary. I'm not sold on Jared Alexander, who will see Keenan Allen more in this game anyway. I do think Mike Williams should be able to take advantage of Kevin King on the other side. And he's got to score a touchdown eventually. It just it has to happen at some point. He's too good. He's too much of a red zone threat to not score a touchdown all season. So, he might be due this week as well. Hunter Henry, of course, you play him. This is a game that I would stream Philip Rivers. I think that we have a chance here for this to be a shootout game. So I would stream Philip Rivers this week as well. Who really, for all fancy purposes, has still been decent as far as production goes. He still put up 300 yards and two touchdowns a week ago, even though a lot of people weren't impressed with him. Fantasy-wise, he'll take that every all day, every day. Next game up to talk about is the Sunday night game, the Patriots and the Baltimore Ravens. This is a very interesting game. Now, you're going to start your studs, which, you know, hold on, because I don't think you guys realize who the studs are. Julian Edelman, yes. Of course, you start him. Uh, James White, yes. Of course, you start him. On the Ravens side of the ball, Mark Ingram, yes, you start him. Mark Andrews, yes, you start him, because you're not going to find a better tight end option, even though you might not love it. That's it. That, that's your must stars this week. Not Lamar Jackson. I have Lamar Jackson projected for 15 points this week. He might be able to run, and he might be able to give you a floor, but you know what the Patriots are going to do. Their entire game plan is going to be keeping Lamar Jackson in the pocket as much as possible. Marquise Brown is going to be back. That helps things, I think, especially for Mark Andrews, which is why I'm good with playing him. I think he's got a good chance to try to score in this game and get peppered. And with Marquise Brown being able to at least stretch the field, the middle of the field should be opened up a little bit more. I don't expect Marquise Brown to do anything in this game, though, and he's not somebody who's going to be anywhere near my fantasy lineups. But just his presence on the field will help with Mark Andrews. Mark Ingram, you can run the ball on the Patriots. We all saw it last week with Nick Chubb. He fumbled a couple times, but he had over 132 yards rushing on 20 carries. Mark Ingram, if the Ravens are going to win this game, it's going to be because of their run game. It's going to be because of Mark Ingram. I expect him to get heavily featured in this one. He is the mismatch. You have to out-physical them. So that's what we might see in this one. That's why you have to play Mark Ingram. And I like Mark Ingram a lot this week against the Patriots. And so Lamar Jackson's the one. Now, Lamar Jackson has a chance because, because their running game is built around misdirection and read option with Mark Ingram that they might not be able to totally take away Lamar Jackson's legs. But to think that this is a matchup where he's going to run over 100 yards again, I wouldn't count on it. And I don't think he's going to have a great statistical day passing. One, he doesn't have a lot of guys to pass to in any given week, really. But two, this is an amazing secondary for the Patriots. An amazing pass defense. So him getting 200 yards passing, maybe less, I think is a real possibility here. He just has a very low floor heading into this game. And not a very high ceiling. There's not a lot of room there for Jackson to go off in this one. So while he's been the QB1, while you may not have a better option, while I'm not going to burn you for starting Lamar Jackson by any stretch of the means because he's been the QB1 for fantasy football, this is a matchup where I would maybe 
look to other places to stream because there's some quarterbacks out there, Matthew Stafford, Gardner Minshew, uh, guys to name of note, even Philip Rivers, who are just in situations where I'm going to trust that they have an opportunity to go for 300 yards and a couple touchdowns and that that is a more likely possibility of them having a higher floor and getting those type of numbers than Lamar Jackson having a good game against the Patriots. I would. I would. It's tough to say. I may get burned on it. And you know what? I'll be happy if I'm wrong, honestly, because I have Lamar Jackson in a few leagues, but I don't love it this week. How can you against the Patriots the way their defense is played? On the Patriots side of the ball, don't love Sonny Michelle. Now, this is a heavy bye week. You may not have a better option than him. And he's somebody who I think people have been kind of flexing in and out of their lineups. I don't love this matchup. Now, the Ravens haven't been great against the run, and that's even with Brandon Williams in there. But because the Patriots' offensive line hasn't been able to block much, Isaiah wins still another week or two away from being able to come back. Sony Michelle hasn't been very efficient, even in good rushing defenses, good rushing opportunities for him. I don't see how he suddenly goes off against the Ravens in this one. So unless he falls into the end zone, that's essentially what you would have to hope for out of Sony Michelle. So hopefully you have better options there. James White, I like him a lot in this game. I think he's going to get heavily utilized in this game. He's going to be an RB2 in PPR formats. I think he even has a high floor for you in standard formats as well. So James White, I think, is going to be heavily utilized. Can't start Rex Burkhead in this game, in case in case you were wondering. Uh, Philip Dorsett, I'm not, I don't want to play Philip Dorsett either. With Marcus Peters back, that secondary of the Ravens, A, is a lot better. But B, they're able to run their defense more so now. Now they have that shutdown zone corner on the opposite side they can kind of run their defense the way they want to I don't love Philip Dorsett in this matchup at all at all I don't love Sanu in this matchup at all so I think it's Julian Edelman and that's it it's gonna be it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna be a tough game on Sunday I wouldn't be surprised if it's a low scoring 17 to 14 type game quite frankly I mean it spells an ugly game an ugly game last game to talk about the Monday night game Dallas Cowboys New York Giants should be a blowout for the Cowboys. Elliott through the roof. Cooper through the roof. Dak Prescott, you can play him again as a top five quarterback this week. Michael Gallup should be in your lineup. Pretty simple. Pretty simple with that one. And all of them have, you know, sky's the limit for their ceiling this week against the New York Giants defense. On the Giants side of the ball, obviously, you start Saquon. Sterling Shepard looks like he might be back. He's practicing full all week. He practiced quite a bit last week, too. It looks like this is the week that they'll be more apt to clear him from the concussion protocol. So it looks like Sterling Shepard's going to be back. To me, that means him and Golden Tate are both wide receiver fours because they're going to be taking away from each other. The whole thing, Shepard lived on volume early in the season when Golden Tate wasn't around. Golden Tate, over the past few weeks, has lived on volume when Sterling Shepard has not been around. We haven't seen both of these guys on the field at the same time, and I've been talking about it all offseason long when this prospect came up. I don't think both of these guys can coexist. One might go off, but the other one's not going to do anything. Knowing which one that's going to be, I think, is next to impossible. And I think it's going to alternate. So I think they're wide receiver fours with some PPR upside because I think one of them is going to get heavily targeted. I don't think this offense can sustain two wide receivers from a week-to-week basis. So knowing which one it's going to be, I think it's going to be a chore. They're nothing more than wide receiver fours for me this week. Evan Ingram, you got to start him. Have to start him. I know he's been disappointing. He's a tight end who's a good tight end. You have to start him. The volume's there. But I would shy away from Shepard and Golden Tate if I can help it. If I can help it. You might not be able to this week, but if you can help it, I would. And obviously, I'm not going to be streaming Danny Dimes at any point this season, most likely. So that wraps up our preview for Week 9. Capped it off there. We're going to take one last break. Come back on the other side. we got the mailbag segment from you, the fans, and then we'll close down the episode. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become a new member of Overtime Heroics. Overtime Heroics is a fantastic sports media platform for sports fans all around the world to come and participate in their extensive forums. And now with the merger of the Land Sports Network, the website will soon have great content available from extremely well-written articles to entertaining and informative podcasts from all sports for you to enjoy. All you have to do is register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com to participate. Again, that's OvertimeHeroics.com. It's time for the mailbag segment. This is my favorite part of the show because, of course, I get to give love back to the listeners who I appreciate every single one of you there at MD Nation. And I get to select a few questions that I believe are 
dilemmas that a lot of people may be facing that didn't necessarily get their questions into me. And of course, I always appreciate you guys trusting me, using me as a tool for your fantasy matchups. Very happy, very excited. And of course, I always appreciate every single one of my listeners and what you're able to do for the show. So this is my great way of being able to give back and shout you guys out and give you some recognition on a podcast. First up, I have Kurt he, from Twitter. He asks me, Cortland Sutton or Jarvis Landry this week? Didn't specify whether it was standard half point or full point PPR, but given that these two these two players are actually playing against each other in the same game, it's kind of a similar situation here. So let's assume it's half point PPR for argument's sake. All right, I would have to go with Cortland Sutton. He's going no matter what the scoring format is. Sutton's going to have the higher floor because he's in a position right now where he should get a lot of the volume and be by far head and shoulders the number one wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, the number one volume pass catcher. We talked about that in the pre. We talked about in the preview episode earlier uh, today. So. I would definitely go with Cortland Sutton. He has the higher floor. Jarvis Landry could give you a three for 30. He could wind up giving you a very solid game. Because I think of the two, of two between Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham, I think Jarvis Landry actually has the higher floor of those two. Now, Beckham still has the higher ceiling. He's still always a play away from just going to the end zone. We know that. But I think he actually has the higher floor than Beckham does. So I don't think Jarvis Landry is too far off to kind of give, use that example to give you an idea. And I do think he's somebody, like I said, who I think belongs as a wide receiver three, as a flex play in half point and full point PPR leaks. Maybe in standard, he has a little bit lower floor. I don't know if he took the chance there. He's not a guy who's always going to get you a touchdown. And especially given the way the Bronco, uh, the, excuse me, the Browns have been playing and the Broncos defense has been playing, I do think there's a real shot that he could have a low floor in that, in that format. But in full point PPR, PPR, half point PPR, I think he's going to have a floor. I think he's in position because he'll have the better matchup against the Broncos defense that he'll have a solid game in this one. But Cortland Sutton is the guy. He kind of like Beckham is always one play away. He has the big physical dynamic play make uh, ability. He's going to be the number one read every single play for Brandon Allen whenever he drops back to pass. Now that may only be 20 to 25 times, but it's going to be Cortland Sutton who he's going to go to. I think Cortland Sutton has a good chance to see between eight and 10 targets in this game. I'll take that volume over Jarvis Landry in this one. Next up, Gilbert on Facebook asks, DJ Chark, DJ Moore, or Chris Conley? Again, I don't know if this is a standard, a half point, or full point PPR question, so we'll base it off of a half point PPR. Uh, For me, he doesn't say whether he picks one or two here. If if it's pick one, it has to be hands down G.J. Chark. I mean, look, D.D. Westbrook's going to probably play in this game, but he's going to be a bit banged up. Going against the Houston Texans, it is the best defense to face if you're a wide receiver right now. They're so depleted at secondary, and now with J.J. Watt, they don't even have necessarily a pass rush to even be able to generate on a consistent basis. Yeah, I mean, sky's the limit. Jaguar players going up against the Houston Texans this week. Leonard Fournette, sky's the limit. Gardner Minshew, I have him as, as my number two quarterback behind Matthew Stafford. Again, for very similar reasons why I have Stafford number one. I have him my number two quarterback of the week. DJ Chark, in my top five, our top seven, I believe, is wide receivers this week in half-point PPR scoring formats. Yeah, you're going to play D.J. Chark. If you're picking two, it's D.J. Moore. The guy I'm not going to play is Chris Conley. It does look like D.D. Westbrook's going to play in this one, so Chris Conley's not going to have the value that he might have had earlier on in the week when some people are picking him up off the waiver wire because uh, Westbrook is going to play. D.J. Moore, there's not going to be a Curtis Samuel. Uh, we talked about that in, in today's episode, too. So he's going to have a very safe floor in this one. I don't love the matchup against Tennessee, obviously, but he's going to have a safe floor. But DJ Chark, of these three, definitely hands down the guy you're going to go with. He could wind up finishing as a wide receiver one this week with, with, with ease. Stacy from Twitter, she asked me, should I trade David Montgomery for Juju Smith-Schuster in a half-point PPR league? First of all, Stacy, thank you for telling me what scoring format you're in. makes my job for answering these questions a lot easier. Uh, and should you trade David Montgomery for Juju Smith-Schuster? So obviously I have to look at this trade in a vacuum because I don't know. It didn't give me any details as far as what your other running backs or wide receiver situation is. But essentially what you're saying to me here in a vacuum, do I sell high on David Montgomery after his 27 carry performance for Juju Smith-Schuster, who's looking better as of late as Mason Rudolph seems to be getting more and more on the same page with him and the Pittsburgh Steelers offense in general with Mason Rudolph has been getting a bit more aggressive as of late. I think I think probably not. Look, it's harder to find running backs than it is wide receivers, especially this part of the season when you're gearing up for the playoffs. And 
This past week with David Montgomery getting 27 carries, I don't think that was a one-and-done situation. I don't think if Matt Nagy just decided I'm going to just give finally give David Montgomery the carries in this game and I'm going to go back to doing what I was doing before. Mr. Trubisky has been so bad, they continue to have to be able to hide him. The only way you're going to do that is if you run the ball with David Montgomery. Yes, if you're looking at it from a vacuum for this week, yes, I probably like Juju Smith-Schuster a little bit more this week. No, probably no James Conner, probably no Benny Snell. I only have Jalen Samuels. They might have to lean a little bit more on the passing game as a result. So, yeah, I get it for this week. David Montgomery is playing the Eagles. But remember, this isn't going to probably be the same Eagles defense has been shutting the running games down up until the season because they're really banged up on that front seven right now. So it's not going to be as dire of a situation. But just in general, without, like I said, without knowing your team in a vacuum, it's harder to find wide receivers and running backs this part of the year. I would probably stay away from that. I do think David Montgomery is going to be getting fed the ball more and more as the season progresses. I don't think that was a one and done. Juju Smith-Schuster, to me, is still a little bit of a hit or miss. He's been better. He's been a little bit more consistent, but it hasn't been consistent enough for me to be like, yes, Joster can get back to being high end wide receiver two, low end wide receiver one on a week to week basis right now. This team is still going to be run first, especially when they have James Conner back with Jalen Samuels. So that's still what they're going to lean on. Uh, and they don't have the greatest schedule coming up either. So I would probably stick with David Montgomery here. That wraps up the show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. We will be back for our regularly scheduled shows next week. So that means we'll have a recap show on Monday, which will cover all the Sunday afternoon games. And then we'll have a second recap show that will cover the Sunday night and the Monday night game on Tuesday, along with the waiver wire report. So we'll be back to four shows next week. Can't get enough of the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at MDSFFShow over the weekend, on Facebook at MDFFShow. And of course, check out the website for the rankings and you can contact me through there as well www.mdffshow.com make sure you're checking out one of my networks remember on belly up i will be there from 9 a.m on on sunday to be able to answer all of your start sick questions that you may have for me sunday morning so make sure you go ahead and follow them and of course overtime heroics network and the unwrapped sports network which i will be trying to get out a video later on today make sure you follow me on twitter i'll announce when that's going to happen exactly i should at least get the rankings video out today i might do the rankings and the injury report we'll see what happens but I do plan on getting that out either today or tomorrow. So make sure you're checking that out as well. I will see you guys on Monday. Good luck this week. Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 